All right, back for another show today. We've got a great guest. You know, she's a legal professional, <laughs> a marketer, content creator. Uh, she's she's got a book or books. Um, so I'm excited to have Alex Sinatra with me. How's it going, Alex? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. How are you, Andrew? How's everything going in Florida? It's it's good. It's like a rainy day out, but I bought these lights for my green screen and it makes it feel like it's natural light in here. So it's really Ooh. bright. And I love that because I used to hate rainy days like today. So, so I can't complain. The sun's not out right now, but. But you have your artificial sunlight exactly. in your office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to get these kind of lights throughout my whole house because I just, I do love that. So. <laughs> How is it in uh, Texas? Uh, it's good. It's it's getting cold for Texas. So it's, you know, like in the 60s and people are like bundled up like it's, you know, a winter in Chicago. But I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's been rainy and I got stuck in a mud pit while I was running the other day. And so that was un. Uh, I wasn't too happy about that. It felt like I was running with weights. I hate running already. And then I had like this mud caked all over my shoes. Like, so that was unpleasant. But yeah, that is the worst. Not to mention how dirty it is, but just the extra work. Yeah, the extra weight was pretty awful. <laughs> it's it's getting cold here. I know tomorrow the high is 56, which is for Ooh. us is bad. It's bad. Yeah. So we'll be in snowsuits tomorrow um, <laughs> and won't leave the house probably. But <laughs> but no, I, I, I do appreciate you joining me. We we had the chance to talk a few times before and, you know, I thought your background was cool and it's even cooler is like, hey, we, we were working in the same league and didn't know it. Um, yes. You know, at the time. Crazy. So, um, you know, it's definitely a small world in the, the sports and entertainment biz. So kind of share with us, you know, a little bit about your you know, journey, you know, your, your career path, you know, from, you know, where you're from up until now. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And my background, I, I have family that's from Italy and Russia. And so I am, you know, like a third generation American, but very much culturally aware of what's going on and love traveling, love doing all that stuff. When I was really little, I traveled all over. And I spent at one point a few years ago, nine weeks abroad, because I just wanted to leave the position that I was in to pursue another position. And in the meantime, I was going to travel for nine weeks. Um, and so that's been wonderful. And I was a very high level athlete most of my life as well. So that's kind of informed my journey. I'm very organized. I am very disciplined on most things. And so I have had the opportunity to do a lot of really like kind of cool jobs. So I do some writing for USA Today and I do that as a work from Homer. And I've been doing that since 2016. And so having that discipline to be able to work from home in that capacity for a company that I've never been to the corporate headquarters. I have never met, I met one person that I worked with. <laughs> so everybody else has been through phone calls or Zoom. And I'm an attorney and a marketer, like you said, and I've worked in sports for most of my life. And I love building and creating things. And I love to do multiple things at the same time, kind of like you. I, I enjoy getting to know different industries, different people, and getting new skills every day. Yeah, I my uh, my wife hates the fact that I like to do everything. <laughs> it can be annoying. Like people get annoyed with me too. I'm like, what? Like you don't understand. Like I need, I need all this. Like it's same. It's fun. It's it's yes. For me, it just it's uh, like I need a constant challenge. Like I like just this weekend, I. I didn't do anything. I absolutely hated it. I would rather be working 12 hours each day. Like I do not like to sit around. Um, so that's my issue that I have. But so you said you were an athlete. What, um, what sport or sports did you participate in? I did a bunch of sports, but my main sport was gymnastics. And okay. that's what I did um, since I was little. And then I did it in college as well. And so gymnastics is, as a lot of people know, it's a very high discipline, high organization uh, sport. You have to be very organized, very disciplined, very motivating for yourself. Because if your coaches 
are coaching someone else, they still expect you to get everything done that you need to get done. And it's an individual sport. So there's a lot of mental toughness that goes into it. So although I don't necessarily recommend gymnastics, if you don't want to have aches and pains when you're older, I do recommend it for a solid foundation for character and for a business background, because you learn a lot about how to be successful for yourself and then learning to kind of utilize that mindset to build things, help things, strive, grow, change. I, I, uh, not many people know this about me is I was a very competitive gymnast as well. Really? And yeah. It's not out there because once I started to get into football, I had to kind of choose because yes. when I was training for gymnastics, it was five, six days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, there was really, you know, maybe one day off and that day off, typically I was still working out and, and doing stuff. Yep. It's probably one of the most intense, you know, things and, you know, just the strength, um, you know, physical and mental, which is mm-hmm. needed is, uh, is something that's pretty cool. But yeah, I traveled all over. I, I lived in Pennsylvania, so, um, you know, was, went to a gym there and it was fun. Nice. It was fun. Yeah. So I got into high school and then, like I said, football really took over. That was my big passion, but, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun ride. So I know the, my body hurts. I don't know if it's from football or gymnastics or a combination, but yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> they, I, actually gy- gymnasts and football players get similar injuries. So I had a fractured spine twice from gymnastics and my orthopedic surgeon said, Oh, linebackers and gymnasts get this. I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you okay. Exactly. Why are you telling me this? But I, it doesn't make me feel better. Just get it fixed. You know, <laughs> I think too, like I, I really like when I'm looking to hire somebody or, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, people's backgrounds, being an athlete, even if you're not at the highest level, I think it really gives you a lot of tools to be successful in, in business. You know, and it can teach you a lot of things. So um, the more the more people are a part of teams and um, organizations um, like that, I think definitely translates over to the business world. I agree. Yeah, you have to have a lot of grit and mental toughness, specifically in individual sports. You really learn that mental toughness and that grit. And then when you're in team sports, you understand how to listen to a leader, right? How to have teamwork, how to work independently, but also as part of a team, right? How to make decisions for the betterment of a group or an organization. So you definitely learn a lot. I think that even if people don't want to be extremely competitive in sports and they don't want to be at that elite level, putting in, you know, six days a week, eight hours a day, like I was doing in the summers, I was doing two a day a week as like a 12 year old. Uh, I was sleeping at the gym in between sessions on a mat. So I would just pass out, eat some food, right? Then wake up and have to work out (laughs) until 8 p.m. So even if people don't want to do that, having some type of understanding of a team or an individual sport in some capacity for a few seasons will really teach you a lot. Even if you're an adult and you didn't play sports and you joined some type of rec league, that's still really helpful because you get to learn about the psychology of people and teams and individuals and leaders. And you just learn so much about the business world through sport. Yeah. When did you decide you wanted to get into law? Like how'd that come about? So I, I wanted to be a doctor because I spent a lot of time with us orthopedic surgeons and doctors as a gymnast, right? So I wanted to be a doctor. So I did pre-med undergrad for a couple of years. And then I realized I just really didn't like it. I did well at it. I actually did better at it than my business classes, to be honest. Um, But (laughs) I decided that I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to do something in business because I was always someone that was selling things. Even as a little kid growing up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, I would make items and try to sell them on this dirt road. People never came by. There was like one truck that would come by every three hours, but I was there like ready to sell, you know? And so for me, I'm like, okay, I should probably get a degree in business. That makes sense. And then being an athlete and being friends with a lot of the other athletes at Texas A&M, I decided that maybe I would want to go to law school because I really enjoyed 
Jerry Maguire, like everybody who loves sports loves Jerry Maguire. You know, I had the opportunity to meet him in Dallas. So that was amazing. But I decided, okay, maybe I want to be a sports agent and all sports agents, not all, but the majority of sports agents are attorneys. So I should do that. So I went to law school, found out I didn't want to be <laughs> a sports agent. It was not the world for me, but I loved sport. And so my mentor said, you can do a lot of stuff with a legal degree and a law license in sports. You don't just have to be an agent. You can work for a team. You can work for a league. You can be an in-house counsel. You can work for a company tangential to sport like a Nike Right. And so I was like, okay, okay, I'll do that. And so I took a lot of negotiation classes in law school, alternative dispute resolution, arbitration, and contract drafting, employment, things like that, because I knew that those were the areas that these teams and leagues and companies tangential to sport were going to need. And so I like put a hard push on taking those classes that were going to help me in the world of sport. You know, I've met a ton of attorneys over the years. And what I like about <laughs> your your background is, um, you know, you have maybe more of the business sense of it as well and marketing. Like, whereas, you know, a lot of the attorneys that I've met are kind of like more narrowed in, which, um, you know, I think, you know, your background just lends a little bit more um, to the business because you can help in other areas, not just the legal. Yes, that's true. I have used my marketing and my law license together multiple times when I was working at startups, when I was working in the soccer league that you and I worked in, and I was able to see these problems and issues from a different perspective, right? I could see what the business side was saying, what the salespeople were saying. I could understand that, but I could also understand, you know, the company as a whole and the risk that doing some of those grand ideas that our salespeople had might not be the best idea because that would get us into a lawsuit and we wouldn't make as money and as much money doing their grand idea if we were going to be sued the second that we tried to do it. Right. So, so for me, I, I love being able to utilize both sides of my brain, right? The creative side and then that analytical side as well. And it really shocks people when I come to them with solutions to problems that involve, you know, a marketing plan and a public relations plan. And I assessed all the legal risk in that, right? It's just, it's a very unique skill set that I have. And I'm an in-house counsel. So I work inside of companies or inside of teams or inside of leagues. And so it's a little different than if I were working at a law firm where I might be potentially pigeonholed into to one area, right? I do do a, a little bit of law firm work, but I work for a very kind of newer, more modern law firm. So we do a little bit of everything and I'm on the small business team. So I am able to do business growth. And I'm able to talk to people about non-disclosures and employee agreements and building their business and a marketing plan and a strategy and all of that. And so I love doing that, utilizing both of those degrees and not getting bored by just using one part of my brain, just the creative or just the analytical. I, I strive and I thrive to use both of those. And I love doing that. Has it ever, you know, hurt your growth by you know, having that, like for me, it's, you know, obviously not in the legal sense, but like, you know, being, you know, kind of the jack of all trades mm. has hurt some of my potential as far as, you know, my goals of, of being in major league sports. And so I always get the, well, you know, if you're working for the Dallas Mavericks, you're going to be on one thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've done partnerships, I've done tickets, I've done operations, I've, you know, pretty much every aspect of it. So um, for me, it's, I've, I've had a little bit of that. Um, obviously, if I'm on my own, it's great. But if <laughs> I get into an organization, um, it's been a little tougher. Have you encountered anything like that? Yes, to an extent. I've had people not understand, usually old school, very old school people not understand that I could be great at both things. And it's not that I am lazy and that's why I decided to do two things half-assed. No, I do both of them full-assed on both sides, right? And so it's it's odd because they sometimes can't understand how I could 
have written three books during quarantine, but I'm also working for a law firm. They just don't understand. And so once I explain that to them, they kind of understand the the valuable asset that I could be. But I have to make sure that when I have my resume written and I have my cover letter written, I do kind of tailor it for that particular job, right? So I might say I've been working for USA Today for since 2016 and I have done on camera and I've done voiceover and I've done editing and I've written and I've created videos, but I might not even put that on my resume, right? I might say if it was like a strictly legal job, I'm like, okay, well, I worked at this law firm and then I worked in house here and then I worked in house here, but it's like, and I also had six side jobs, but I'm not <laughs> going to include that, right? And so my my deal sheet, so I'm a transactional attorney. And so you'll have a sheet that also talks about the deals that you've crafted or closed or negotiated or whatever, if you've saved time and money. And so I will include that as well. If it's if it's a company that's a little more like forward thinking and they really want to see that I have the business side as well, I'm like, okay, well, I saved 108 hours by streamlining our communication with my team in India, right? But if it's a company that's not really that interested in it, I'm like, okay, I saved $50,000 by negotiating this deal and made sure that our business partners, did, you know, like, so it's, I have to understand who my audience is and if they're going to appreciate my multi-potentiality, my diversity, my being a Jill of all trades, right? And if they're not, then I'm going to temp that down a little bit. But also if they're not interested in that, do I really want to work at a place that is not going to want me to thrive and grow and help build their business to become a better, stronger, more well-rounded organization? Do I really want to work there? Probably not. To be honest, I probably won't be happy. <laughs> Yeah, that that's what I always, you know, my boss, uh, my wife, she she says that she's like, I, I can't be caged, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeah. wild animal, I guess, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, that's it makes it it's it's interesting. And that's why it's so important to have your other things, right? Like your side things. Because for me, I am looking for a full-time position within the world of sport. But if it's not within the world of sports and entertainment, then I'm very interested in having a legal job with a tech company and a company that is multicultural. I really am looking to move to Europe. And so it is so important to me that I have my other things that I can still do, even though I'm working full time, I can still do a podcast when I'm working full time, mm -hmm. I can still write my books on the weekends, when I am working full time, right, I can still run my Etsy shops and upcycle cigar boxes, I can still do all those things, right. But I have to make sure that I am having the correct balance. So your wife is right in the sense that if you ever want to be in a mainstream organization, you're going to have to be caged to an extent. But you're only going to have to be in your cage for eight to 10 hours and then they'll let you out of the cage and you can go run and play in the dog park or go into the woods and do all your entrepreneurial activities, right? You just have to be okay with being caged for a short period of time each day and go to your other side hustles. If you don't have those side hustles or you don't have those creative outlets, that's when things really go sideways for me, particularly. Yeah. What motivates you? What's kind of your driving force? I want to be able to help as many people as I can and experience as many experiences as I can. And so ever since I was little, my family has been very philanthropic. We have given to a lot of organizations of not only our money, but our time as well. And I really enjoy helping people, whether that is, you know, doing a podcast where I teach people things for free and they can just listen, right? Like what you're doing, they can learn for free or that is going to another country and helping to build homes, right? Or if that's donating to an orphanage that my family friends run in Kenya, right? I like to help people. Um, in sport, that's why I love sports so much because you're able to do so much good. I actually created our charitable giving and philanthropic outreach at the soccer team that I worked for. I did all of that, the co community projects that we did. I created all of that from scratch because I'm like, what am I doing if I'm not helping people? Sure. I'm like making this company money and I'm making the team money. Cool. Whatever. Great. I love to do that. I love to build things like that. But if I'm not helping people, what am I doing with my life? Right. And I also love meeting new people and learning about new cultures. So for me, being able to travel for that nine weeks was amazing. I've been to 
Asia multiple times. I've been to Europe multiple times. And so I love learning new things because every new experience, you learn something from it, whether it's good or bad. I mean, there were two times when I was on my nine week trips where I got sick and had to go to the hospital. I had to go to the hospital in Thailand. I don't speak Thai. I had to somehow figure out how to get there and then explain to them what was happening with not so flattering hand signs as to what was happening with my body, right? (laughs) And then when I was in the Philippines, I had to have a doctor come to the hotel because I was dehydrated and sick and was having like heart pain. So it's like you learn from every experience, right? In the Philippines, I learned I needed to drink more water and not just hike the mountains. And then in Thailand, I learned maybe I don't eat at that really sketchy restaurant because it might get food poisoning, right? (laughs) But all those experiences inform me. And I love those new experiences and helping people. So that's really what motivates me. So on your trips, what was it? Was it just kind of like to relax? Was it like on discovery? Like what, and what did you get out of the trip? Well, I have had trips that have just been like purely for like for fun. I've had trips that have been to visit family because I have family that lives abroad. Um, And then I've had trips where I was looking to kind of just discover new things. And so I've been to Asia three times, I think now. The first few times I went was to visit my best friend who lives in Asia. She lives in Shanghai and now she lives in Thailand. And so it was to see her because she lives there full time and I don't get to see her uh, very often. So it's been, it's been mainly for fun, but the nine week trip was really, I was leaving a very toxic work culture that I couldn't be a part of anymore. And I didn't want to start another job. I just needed a time to just relax, detox, figure out what I really wanted to do with my life, right? Because if you're someone, you're you're like me, you like to do a lot of things, but sometimes you have to hone in and decide like, okay, I'm going to do these two things, right? I can't do 50 things. I got to do two things, right? And so I really wanted to see kind of what made me happy. And so that trip was really discovering what I wanted to do next and just enjoying, not having any real work that I had to do. I still had USA Today things that I had to do, but it wasn't extremely time sensitive and I was on the opposite side of the world. So I could break some stories a little bit, you know, sooner than some people, right? I was up on Twitter. Um, But that was a really phenomenal experience because I traveled for part of it with my best friend for about three weeks. And then I traveled the rest of it by myself. And so I was going to across Asia. I was in the Middle East for a while. One of my friends came up from Saudi to spend some time with me for a few days. And then I went to Europe as well. And I had some family and some friends, but I did part of that trip by myself. And so when you're traveling alone, which I love to travel alone, but when you're traveling alone, you really learn a lot about yourself and what you're capable of, especially when you're traveling in a country where nobody speaks your language and nobody looks like you. So I was not only, (laughs) I was not only not understanding how to speak Thai in any way that got me anything, but I also was a white woman in the middle of Asia who didn't know anybody, you know, and so I learned a lot about myself. And I learned ultimately that generally people are just really kind. Like people want to help you no matter where you are. People want to help you if you are kind to them. And that really kind of gave me those soft skills and those skills of empathy because and the ability to ask for help, which are so important in the business world. If you don't have empathy and you cannot ask for help, then you're going to set yourself up for some pretty terrible failures. And they're not going to be the good failures that you like learn from. They're going to be the failures that devastate you. <laughs> Uh, it's true. That's true. So when did you start your like side hustles? Like how long have you, has that always been kind of like a thing for you or? Yeah, I have always had a side hustle, but I really started understanding that I needed these side positions in 2016. And that's when I was working at a kind of toxic company and I loved the work, but I didn't like the culture. And my best friend actually sent me this notice that USA Today was hiring for this new branch of their organization. And it was NFL specific sites. And I was like, well, I mean, I did a paper in law school about the NFL concussion suit. And I knew about Ben and Amalu before anybody knew about the movie Concussion, like before Will Smith made it famous. Like I knew all about that stuff. I was looking at the research from Ben and Amalu. I was looking at the North Carolina research about uh, subconcussive hits and CTE and all of that. I was like, so I know a little bit about the NFL. And my mentor says I need to stay in sport, even if it's not 
legal sports, right? And I was like, okay, well, that sounds weird. Even if it wasn't in the legal department in sports, not legal sports, not black market sports. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'll apply to it. And the next day I got a call and the guy who has now been my boss since 2016 was like, your paper was hilarious. Did your law school professors get the jokes? I was like, I mean, they understood <laughs> the jokes. I don't think they appreciated them. <laughs> And so he was like, yeah, we'll hire you. And so I was the first female hired by them, the NFL Wire Sites with USA Today. And that's when I started kind of really understanding the power of a side hustle, right? Because I didn't work for them 40 hours a week, but I was getting paid a nice stipend each month to work for them. And then they tripled the stipend after a year. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, and we don't want you to write as, as many articles. We want you to also create videos. So the amount of articles you need to write is going to drop, but the amount of videos you're going to need to make is you go going up. And I said, but the videos I can make are like pretty much automated. I just need to kind of copy and paste and add some photos. They're like, yeah. I'm like, so you're tripling my pay and I'm doing less work. Hell yeah, the power of the side hustle, right? <laughs> Can I get a name and a number, please? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was amazing. And now I've been working with them since 2016 and I've been adding side hustles, right? So I added a podcast, Your Potential for Everything, this year in 2020. I wrote three books this year. I've had an Etsy shop uh, for three, four years now. And I'm always looking for ways to diversify my revenue stream because as the pandemic has shown, if you have all your eggs in one basket, that basket could explode and all of your eggs could explode as well, right? So having that diversified revenue stream has really shown me the power of the side hustle, the power of doing multiple things, having multiple interests, because if one blows up, then you have three other ones or two other ones, right? Mm -hmm. You do that. I mean, you diversify the type of work that you do and you have multiple revenue streams coming in as well. And so you understand that because the sports industry, as an example, was hit really hard. In March, I was laid off from my job. I did everything for that organization. I mean, I did marketing. I did legal. I did public relations. I did player relations. I did all of the community events. I did all of the negotiations for our media buys. Like, I did a lot of stuff. And they're like, well, you're, we don't think you're valuable and we're going to let you go and pandemic is here. Hello. Right. And so a lot of people got laid off during that time in the sports industry. And some people didn't have that diversity and they didn't have their revenue, stream, their revenue streams being diverse. And so they, they were really like kind of barely hanging on. And for me, luckily, I'm really blessed to be able to have USA Today. And I was able to have my other side hustles and working at the law firm, the, the modern law firm that I work at. And that really helped me. And I really didn't, I'm actually making more money now that I'm not working for, <laughs> for that company. So for me, it was really just kind of emphasized the fact that me having multiple interests is positive. It's a good skill set to have. It really helps you when, you know, shit hits the fan. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm not a huge reader um, of of books, but uh, I read a book, Multiple Streams of Income, probably when I was 20, and it just it's always kind of stayed with me. And you know, I, I've I've had times where I've overextended myself by doing too much. And so now that I'm, you know, 42, I'm trying to kind of hone that in a little bit. <laughs> and then what I learned to do better is, is trust people and put people in place and let them do their, their job so that, you know, I can do 10 to 20 businesses because I have good people around me, but yes, this this COVID has really shown though, because a lot of people would be like, Hey, I've got, you know, I'm afraid to go start a business because I have this job security now. But this just showed that there's really no job security out there, mm -mm. whether you have a job or not. I mean, you could get, you know, canned at any time. Yes. You know, and it could be your fault or it doesn't have to be your fault. Yep. You know, and so I think it's probably pushed a lot of people to say, Hey, you know, now's a good time for me to try something. Um, and kind of, you know, especially when you, you know, if you, if you get, you know, let go, you know, 
not everyone got approved for uh, unemployment benefits and some yeah. of those run out. So, you know, I mean, you got a family or whatever, you got to do what you have to do to survive. Yes, exactly. It, it is so important to understand that in this day and age, a side hustle or a side business or a small business, an Etsy shop, those things are number one, great creative outlets for people who are stressed, right? Even if you are not necessarily selling stuff that's really highly priced, if you're just selling it at all, the the excitement that you get when you see that you have an email that something sold, even if it's like $3.99, you're like, yeah, yeah I sold something. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'm a badass, right? It gives you like this rush of excitement, but also it teaches you that you are, more than just your job. So I think mm -hmm. the reason that a lot of people got so upset by being laid off from positions is yes, the job security, the fact that, you know, people have mortgages, all of that. Sure. The financial aspect is really a, a high problem, right? One of the top problems, but it's also because people so identified their job with who they are as people that when they were laid off, it was like someone telling them you're worthless. Nobody likes you. Nobody right. cares about you. And you're an awful person and we hate you. Right. And that's not true. Right. And so I think that a side hustle, at least for me and my friends who have them, it really shows you that you are more than just your job. You are more than just a title. Right. You are someone that is valuable and important solely because you are who you are. And these side hustles really show you that, that like, you don't have to have a title, like on Etsy, what am I CEO of my Etsy shop? No, I don't care. I'm someone that sells upcycled cigar boxes. I sell contract forms. I sell all that kind of stuff. And what am I? I don't know. I run an Etsy shop and I sell stuff and I love it. Right. I don't care what my title is. I, I don't care about any of that right. stuff. You know. And so it truly makes me happy to have those creative outlets and not all side hustles are money makers. Like, yes, we're talking about diversifying your revenue stream, but some side hustles are just to help your, your mental health stay healthy, right? Some side hustles you just do because you like to do. I know people that are making masks right now. They're not selling the masks. They're making them. They're giving them away. And they love it because it really stimulates that desire to help people and, and do good in the world, you know? So having something that is more than just your full-time job, whether that's an additional revenue-making side hustle or if that is something that's extremely philanthropic, you got to do it to be kind of a well-rounded human. If you just put all your time into that full-time position and then someone lets you go from that, that's going to devastate you. It devastated me. I had side hustles, but I was devastated because I was like, why did I put 15 hour days in? Yeah. Why was I doing that six days a week? And then on Sundays we had game days. So I was putting in 12 hours. Like, why did I do that? If my position was considered like not valuable. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> You know? It's rough and and mentally that it could take a toll on you. Yes. You know, I I think the side hustles are a great way too for you to, you know, find out who you are. Yes. You know, it's not for everyone. You know, no, I, I definitely I, I used to think everyone, you know, should be a business owner because pretty <laughs> much since I was 19, that's all I've done is is own businesses. So it's like I used to think everybody yes. should do it. And mm -hmm. I've tried to help, you know, a lot of people and I've realized that some people just don't, they're not willing maybe to make the sacrifice. Um, but I mean, I'm definitely not the smartest guy, um, but I'm not afraid to take a risk. Now they're getting more and more calculated as I get older. Yes. <laughs> um, there's I nothing worse than, you know, making a lot of money and losing it all. And yeah. I've, I've done that twice. And, uh, you know, it definitely, I think, positions you better. You're, you appreciate things a little bit more. Um, but being more calculated, creating those multiple streams. I look at it this way. If I can have, say, a dozen businesses each make me two to $5,000 a month, you know, I can make a decent income. I don't have to um, rely solely on one thing. Mm. Uh, so if, if this industry goes down, that goes down, that's what insurance, you know, is different. Um, you know, I just getting into some real estate, doing consulting, anything that I can do too, that I can leverage the other businesses through, yes. you know, like I always loved owning sports teams for the fact that I would make my money through my other companies because now my marketing company, 
has access to this and, you know, all these contacts and I can leverage just everything back and forth. So um, that's really how I've done it. And this year, you know, with the podcast, with just, I've kind of changed my thought process a little bit. I was about me all the time and you don't really notice it in the time, but you know, looking back, I can see how everything was always about me. Mm. And if I would have put other people first and been genuine about it, then I think I would have had some different results. Mm -hmm. And, and the stuff that I do now is, is genuine. And I, I get people like, well, what do you get out of this? Or what do you, you know, why do you do this? And it's truly, you know, because I want to help. And I want to figure out how I can help more people. And I'm not the best writer. And, you know, you've done some books. Um, you know, that's something that I want to get into. I want to get into training and mentoring people. And I do it all now for free. Like if people call me, mm-hmm. I just, number one is I enjoy it. I, I can't do it for free forever probably, but yes, <laughs> like it's a, it's a passion. Business is a passion. Uh, I want to help people. Um, and so it's, I've seen a big change just probably in the last year, just from changing my mindset to not expecting, it was always about, okay, I'll do this, but what am I going to get back? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. That was my mindset. And I'm like ashamed to actually, but the reality of it was, it was like, I'm not doing something unless I get something out of it. And And so I flipped it business though. What's that, that? I mean, that's how you're kind of taught in business though. Like even in business school, it's about like, it, it's not about other people. It's always about you. And in the United States too, we're always taught that it's about us, right? Like we're, we're the only one of us that exists in the world. And by virtue of that, we're so special and our, our viewpoints are so unique and insightful and like, sure, sometimes, but not every thought or word that you have is super unique or super insightful, right? And so when you start looking like you did out of yourself and you kind of like let that ego kind of wither and die, the world opens up to you and you start to be like, I can help so many people and then people want to help me in return. And it's so weird because I'm not doing it for that, but everybody wants to help me and everybody is like connecting me with these people. That's, That's kind of how it worked with me too. People just people who I've had a few conversations with and I've offered to help them on something, right? Months later, they'll send me emails. They're like, hey, I saw this job or I saw this posting or I saw this blah, 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 and I thought of you. And I'm like, I haven't talked to this person in six months, <laughs> a year. And they're like remembering how I helped them. And then yeah. later they, they helped me. And I'm always so surprised because like you said, I now don't do things for other people to help me. Like, yes, I do think in my mind, like, have I helped this person a hundred times? And anytime I ask them for help, they don't help me, right? I I do do that calculation in my head, right? Um, To see if someone's taking advantage of my kindness. But when you start helping other people and you make it about other people, wow, like life becomes so much happier and more enjoyable when you do that. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. But the key is you have to be authentic. Like, you know, everybody will say it, you know, <laughs> PR, everybody does this and that. It's like to really understand, um, it just, it does, it just needs to be authentic. And, but like you said, you have to be careful not to be taken advantage of because, yeah. you know, there's people out there that are just, you know, that that's what they would do. And yeah. I was probably one of those people before where, again, it was all about me. How, how am I going to benefit? How am I going to, and I wish I would have, you know, woke up earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think I would be in a much better, um, spot, um, at this point in my life. So, but it's never too late. No. And, uh, I'm excited to just, you know, help as much as I can. And, and, uh, just learn, like, I kind of want to just continue to educate myself and especially like in business, I'm like you, the side hustles, I'm always looking at, you know, what other side hustle could I have or whatever the small business, you know, and mm-hmm. I can maybe invest a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand bucks. And maybe if it looks, you know, appealing, I can scale it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my daughter, she's 23. She started, uh, she just started doing clothes, like reselling clothes. 
Oh, online. cool. Yeah. Like, and, uh, there's a, there's a Netflix series on that about the woman who started, oh, I can't remember the company, but she started like upselling vintage clothing and she made yeah. like a huge empire with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's not a big empire yet, but, <laughs> but Hey, yeah. what shocked me was I always looked at her as probably the opposite of me. And <laughs> she's actually probably more like me than, you know, definitely than I thought, but, um, you know, she kind of has that itch to, um, do something like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Cause anytime I would try to, you know, pitch something, it's like, you know, <laughs> not, so she did this on her own, which was, which was cool, but there's, there's millions and millions of ways that you can make money. Mm -hmm. And for me, I need to find, I need to find stuff that I'm interested in. I have a passion for yes. so that I can stay engaged because otherwise for me, I'm chasing the squirrel back and forth. I need, yeah. I need to be into it. So like I just bought an insurance agency franchise uh, with my wife. My goal is not to be an insurance agent. My goal is to build the business up, staff it, open multiple offices and could be something that I, you know, bring my kids in on or, you know, just develop for long-term, you know, business. But yeah, my goal and plan has never been to work in that office full time. It's, mm -hmm. you know, to learn it, be an expert and then staff it, be the leader marketing. Yeah. And then add five more things like that. <laughs> yes. And you bring up a good point about learning. So one of the things that I love about being an entrepreneur and building side hustles and helping people with startups is the fact that when you're learning about them and their industry, you're getting like a free masterclass in their life. You're getting a free masterclass in what they have learned, right? And so for me, that's so cool. That's why I love mentoring. I love networking. I love doing all of that because I love learning. And when I can learn in a real time experience for free, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Right. <laughs> Cause I spent a ton of money on school. So if I can get education for free, I'm all about that, especially when it's clearly applicable in the real world. And the side hustles are something that you were talking about this previously, where there's not that much, much risk to start a side hustle. I talk about that in my new book. It's the multi-potentialites guide side hustles and entrepreneurship. And I talk about how if you are scared to start a business or you're scared that maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you, start a side hustle. And I have like lots of steps in the book on, on how to pick a side hustle for you. But some of the things that I talk about are like, okay, do you want it to be revenue producing or do you want to be creative? Do you want to work for yourself? Do you want to work for someone else? Right? So I have side hustles that are both things. I work for USA Today, right? And that's a side hustle, but I have to do what they want me to do when they want me to do it. I can't just say, I don't want to work on Sunday when they're NFL games. Like I can't just decide that. Right. But then I have, you know, my podcast, my Etsy shops, and I write books. So that is working for myself. Those are side hustles that I work for myself. If I want to write my book, I can write my book. If I don't want to write a book, I don't have to write a book, right? If I want to have a podcast episode air on a Tuesday, which they always do. But if I didn't want to have it air on a Tuesday and I wanted to have it air on a Wednesday, I could do that, right? If I didn't want to do it for a month, I wouldn't have to do it for a month, right? And so that's what's so cool about those side hustles is that you can determine, do I like this? And if you don't, you just go through the steps again. You determine, okay, did I like this part? Did I like this part? Do I want to work for someone else? What industry do I want to do? And then you have essentially zero risk because in most side hustles, you really don't have to invest any money. In an Etsy shop, it's free, right? Like, yes, you have to put a listing up. It's 20 cents to put up a listing. Someone can give you 10 bucks. I'm sure your mama, your grandmama, your best friend, whoever will give you 10 bucks, right? To put up items on that shop, right? right? But it's essentially free and you can do it yourself. And then if you decide like, I am not an entrepreneur or I am not a small business owner or I'm not someone that wants a side hustle, that is okay. Like you said, not everybody has to do that. That's fine. But most people that I know who have started some type of side hustle, whether it's revenue producing or not, they really like it. Right. And they like mm -hmm. doing it. Maybe they don't want to do it full it's time. Like a, it's like a hobby. You know, it can, exactly. it can be a hobby. Just, you know, it exactly. keeps them busy. Yeah, exactly. And if your hobby can make you money, 
freaking fantastic. If your hobby can make you your sole income and support you for the rest of your life, wonderful. Because right. if it can do that, and then you can also have a full-time job working for a big multinational company, wonderful, right? Yeah. You want that passive income coming in. You want to be able to scale it. Like you said, you want other people basically working in that organization for you. And then you basically triple your time. If you're able to outsource something that's going to take you two hours, it take the other person 30 minutes and it's going to cost you less money than what you're going to make. Do it Buy that yeah. time. Right. Well, I, I, something I talk to my kids about a lot. I, my son is going to be 17 uh, in December here. My daughter's 23 is, you know, you don't want to be dependent upon anyone or anything. So with my daughter, I don't want her to be dependent upon a, a guy, you know, to support mm -hmm. her. I don't want, and, and it's the same thing with, with a job. If you have these side hustles going, put yourself in a position where you can make the decision of what you do as opposed to, oh, I have to go to this job every day yep. and I have to, you know, I can't leave my boyfriend or girlfriend or wife, husband, because I rely on them financially. So yes. it's, it's one of the things, you know, I really preach to them is make sure you're definitely independent and you can control those decisions because corporate America will, they'll take advantage of you if they can. And a lot yes. of, a lot of people do get taken advantage of. That financial freedom is so important. That's, when I really knew the power of a side hustle was when I was able to leave that toxic work environment, that full-time job, and travel around the world for nine weeks, subsisting solely on the money I had saved and my side hustle money. That's when I knew, okay, like side hustles have the ability to transport you from terrible situations, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurship has the ability to take you out of that toxic relationship, work environment, whatever, because once you become financially free, then you're free. You're able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And that's when I realized, wow, like I love this ability to kind of just leave a situation I, I hate and be able to still thrive and do what I want to do and experience new experiences and help people, but not have to be in a situation because I'm tethered to it because that's all I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's nice. The other thing I'm trying to do on my businesses is I, I prefer not to be locked down. So meaning I don't want to be location specific. Uh, now, obviously the insurance agency, I have to open up an office uh, right now because of COVID we're allowed to be remote, but I'll need an office there. Um, but that's, you know, that's going to be fine. But typically I want to make sure that I can be mobile so that if, an opportunity yes. like you're looking at, you know, opens up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You you don't have to unwind 10 different businesses or yes. figure out all this other stuff. And it's so important to have that, to have your companies and your side hustles and your entrepreneurship be able to be remote or be able to be multi-locationed, right? So for USA Today, we have people that work at one point we had people that worked all across the world um, right now with the NFL wire sites. I believe everyone is currently located in the United States, but we're everywhere. We don't have the NFL wire sites, USA Today's NFL wire sites that I work for. We don't have an office. Nobody goes into the office. Everybody works remote. I've been working remotely for them since 2016. I do everything on the computer. I did it when I was in Thailand. I worked for them when I was in the Philippines, when I was in Dubai, when I was in Denmark, when I was in Italy. Hong Kong, China. I mean, <laughs> I and it didn't matter, right? So when you're starting a side hustle or some type of entrepreneurial venture, you really want to think about the power of remote, the power of being able to move your business, your having workers all over. Like, yes, it's a little difficult in terms of the law and who do you pay taxes to and all that stuff when you have employees and independent contractors. Okay, sure, granted, hire. Great That's how we call you. you, right? Okay, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> but but companies and businesses now who understood the power of that technology and the remote working, those are the companies that are thriving during this time. And the companies who had the old school mentality where it's like, you have to be at the desk from seven in the morning to nine at night. If your boss leaves before you, then, then you can leave, but you got to stay there until your boss is there and you need FaceTime in the office, right? Those companies who never allowed like that flexibility in working 
those are the companies that aren't doing well right now. And yes, I understand FaceTime is important. Working together is important. People don't want to be socially distanced forever. I get that. No haters. Don't at me, right? But (laughs) I understand also the power of flexibility. And when people don't have a two hour commute, at one point I was having an hour and 45 minute commute one way to work. When I don't have that and I have, you know, three and a half more hours to live my life, I love my work so much more because I'm not throwing away three and a half hours on freaking driving to a job where I'm going to be pissed the second I get there because I sat in traffic for 45 minutes, had to drive an hour and 45 minutes, right? So allowing your workers to do that and allowing your businesses to have that remote life and that flexibility is only going to benefit you. And I, I was one of those old school people that like was always like, nope, you got to be in the office. Like <laughs> I, I used to get pissed because I had, you know, the younger generation, they would show up like three minutes late, like little stuff like that would irritate me. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I was sweating the small stuff, but I, this COVID situation has really gotten me switching that mindset to, you know, now I feel that I can be more productive and I feel that I can lead a team even remotely and really through zoom and, you know, at least zoom, you could see everyone. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when COVID first happened and I was working for the, the nationals minor league baseball team, we did two zoom calls a day and it was more so like, Hey, let's see each other. Let's, let's chat. We can't see each other in the office. Um, and the team killed it. I mean, we did really well during that time. Um, yep. So it opened up my eyes to say, okay, I was probably an idiot all this time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, now, um, and, and even for myself, like you said, you cut out the drive time. Yeah. How much can Ooh. I get done in an extra hour or two hours? Yep. So much. Right there's my side hustle. There's an extra, you know, thousand, two thousand bucks a month. Exactly. Just from that little bit of time. But the thing that I've learned, and this is something that's the flip side of that, is that you can get really burned out and overwhelmed and anxious if you are constantly able to work, right? You're like, oh, I have three and a half hours I saved. I'm going to stuff it full of work. Like, okay, like slow your roll. Maybe you stuff an hour of work into there and then you take the two, you know, two and a half other hours. So for me, I've learned too that you can have that huge overwhelm if you're working remotely because I've been working remotely for a really long time and a lot of my friends have as well. And you really have to kind of take a step back and realize, okay, just because I can work doesn't mean I should work. Yeah. Or I have need to. to take a break. I need to relax. Yeah. I can watch Netflix without multitasking. It's okay, yeah. Alex. Like sit back and watch some Grace and Frankie and learn about these, you know, <laughs> these people and don't work. Put yeah. your phone down. Don't look at your Slack notifications. Just like take some time for you. That is okay. And it's hard to do sometimes. Break. Okay. <laughs> Definitely hard to do sometimes. I find myself yeah. sometimes I'm working until I go to bed and I'm like, damn, I, 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 I do like that separation going to the office, but, um, you know, it's a evolving thing for me, but you have to uh, set boundaries with yourself yeah. and with your family and with your work. I talk about that. I, I wrote another book about working from home because a lot of people didn't understand how to do it. They thought it was just taking work from the office and bringing it to your house. And it's completely different. Like working from home is a completely different beast in and of itself. And one of the things I talk about is setting boundaries for yourself, right? Closing your laptop. If you have two laptops, you have a work one and a personal, have none of your work stuff on your personal computer, right? And changing your scenery. If you sometimes work from the kitchen table, going out to your back porch and working from there, (laughs) going to your bedroom and working from there. If If you're blessed to have an office, I have an office in my house. Sometimes I work on the couch in my office. Sometimes I work at my desk. Sometimes I sit on the floor and work at the table. Like, you know, having that change of scenery, having the boundaries where you're leaving your office environment or wherever your workspace is to go somewhere else when you're done working, that is so important to not have that overwhelm and to be able to be efficient at working from home. So tell me about all your books. So what do we, what have, what have we launched to date? And, uh, and then what do we, what do we have on the horizon? <laughs> Perfect. So my books couple with my podcast. So my podcast is called Your Potential for Everything. And my books are a guide. So I break my podcast down into series. So my first series was about networking. And then I did a series about working from home. And then I did a series about side hustles and entrepreneurship. And so I write a book for each one that kind of summarizes and gives you 
tangible tips and tricks that you can apply to your life. And so the series is called The Multipotentialite's Guide. And a multipotentialite is a renaissance person, a jack of all trades, something like that, someone who has the ability to do multiple things and wants to do them. And so the first book was Networking in the Virtual Age. The second book was Working from Home. And the third book was Side Hustles and Entrepreneurship. And then my fifth series that I'm going to be doing on the podcast is all about becoming an author. So you said you wanted to be an author. So I'm going to have guests on the podcast that talk about becoming an author. I have uh, Lisa Napoli. She's written uh, five books to date, and she has had them published through traditional publishing houses. I've had people who have published books through Kindle. Um, I've had people that have published fiction books, that have published self-help books, right? I'm looking to get a literary agent on the podcast as well. And so then I'm going to write a book that is The Multipotentialite's Guide, Becoming an Author, right? And so I, if you're not able to listen to all of the episodes of the podcast, but you still want to get the meat and potatoes of what we talked about, then you can have the book. If you are someone that is a visual learner like I am, you can purchase the book so that you can read through it and listen to the podcast at the same time. And it's been really fun for me because I've always been a writer. My dad is a novelist. He wrote The Bone-Handled Stiletto. It's a mafia crime book available on Amazon. It's amazing. And so I've always kind of had that. My dad is a creative writer and he went to school for that. And so I love writing, but I never thought I could do it because I didn't think I was creative enough. And then I realized I don't have to write fiction. I can write nonfiction. Yes, this is wonderful. I can write about what I know. And so when I finally kind of like, lifted that restriction off myself that I could write these books in any way that I wanted to write them, it really helped me. And I got three books done this year. I started writing in August and I got my first book done. And then I got two more books done and I'm working on my fourth. And it's awesome. I love it. It's so much fun. And there's a lot of services out there now too, for like self-publishing too, right? So I mean, yeah. it makes it easy where you don't have to go get a deal with somebody. No, you um, can do it on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Kindle Direct is how I publish my three books. It's so easy. I created my covers on Canva. Canva is a business owner's best friend. If you don't know about Canva, like hit, hit me up in my DMs and I will tell you all about my love for Canva. And I created my, actually you can see them in the video, my books back there. Okay. And, um, and I created the covers and then I wrote everything and I, you know, took a few free online kind of courses about how do I format this? How big do the covers have to be? How many pages does it need to be? Whatever, whatever. And my books are short reads. And so there's a category on Amazon called short reads and it is, it takes you an hour to an hour and a half to read them and then you're done. And so for me, I wrote short books. It wasn't, you know, a 500 page novel. They're about 50 to hundred pages. And they're great. They're easy for me to write. They're easy to read, but you can get really great tips and tricks. And so what I've been learning about authorship from the people that I have interviewed thus far is that you just write about what you know. I mean, if you're a creative writer, you're still going to be writing about instances that that have happened to you or that you've heard about, right? You're just going to be writing about them in unique ways. But nonfiction writers and people who write self-help and self-improvement books, they write about what they know. And that's what I'm doing. So it's really not that difficult because I have been studying all of the things that I'm writing on my whole life. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check them out. I, is is there gonna be like a point where you just put them all together into like, you know, either like, you know, a bundle package or like one book that kind of is separated, you know? You are such a, an entrepreneur, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking about kind of putting them together in maybe by groupings, right? So having one that's like small businesses and everything you need to know, right? Or young professionals and things like that. So once I get kind of more books written in this series, I'll start kind of bundling them together. I'm also looking to kind of put them together on a bundle on on Etsy, perhaps as well at like a lower price. Um, but right now you can get them on either paperback or ebook. And I'm always doing sales here and there. Like sometimes I'm doing like a countdown sale where it starts at one price and it goes down to, you know, another price and things like that. So that's always, that's always happening. So stay tuned. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your website? So I sell it all on Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the books are on Amazon and then on Etsy, I have a shop called the contract shop and I have templates. I have contracts on there. I have non-disclosure agreements, all of that. So if you're building a business, I have a lot of good templates there. I have resignation letters. If you want to quit your job, I have a great professional resignation letter. <laughs> And then the other 
the other Etsy shop that I have is called Cigar Boxes and Books. So I upcycle cigar boxes. My dad is an avid cigar smoker. And I sell cigar boxes that I get from all different places. They're really cool and beautiful. And I make sure that they're well preserved. I take off all the different like terrible stickers. I, you know, like wash them off if they have stuff on them. And then I sell them. And I also sell books there as well. So just check me out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll put uh, I'll put the links in um, the description so people can can check them out. I'm going to go check them out as well. And uh, and then definitely have to watch your show when you have the uh, authors on, because I definitely would like to get into that. Um, it's not fun. a great writer, but uh, hey, you don't have to be. You just have to be you have to be yourself. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Like I every book that, you know, my authors have written isn't like a New York Times bestseller, except for Lisa Napoli, because she, I mean, that's all she writes. So she was, she worked for the New York times and, and NPR and she's amazing, but other people, they self-published and they promoted it and the books are great. I mean, they're not like a, you know, it's not like Aristotle, you know, came back from the dead and wrote a book. Right. But not right, right. every book has to be that way. Right. Yeah. Like not every book has to be a law book where I'm like sitting there and I'm like, this law from 1872, <laughs> da, 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 da. And this is the, right. you know, the principles that I'm learning here. Right. You no. want people to read it. So. Yeah. You just want yeah. people to read it and you know your audience. And so if you, yeah. maybe you're not the best writer ever, that's why you hire a really good editor. They edit it for you. Right. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Well, no, it was it was great talking with you. I love the uh, the side hustle. It's like you know we might be related or something. I know, with, right? Uh, the craziness. So <laughs> uh, keep that going. And uh, if I can ever help in any way, you let me know because I would love to uh, to help you. Thank you, and and you too. If you you know need any advice or anything or want to learn about the side hustles, just hit me up. We'll do. <laughs> See you soon.